Are you wondering how the PCPS stays afloat? I'll tell you. The answer is with contributions from listeners like you. We depend on your support to pay for recording services, audio software, transcription fees, website hosting, and the hours and hours of research, writing, editing, and engineering that go into producing each show. If you'd like to help us keep doing this job that we love, you can join our crew of supporters over on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com and put Pop Culture Preservation Society in the search bubble, and they'll tell you what to do. You can choose the level of support that's right for you, from our superstar level at $5 a month all the way up to our bicentennial level. Yes, you guessed it, at $19.76 a month. In exchange, we'll send you even more PCPS content after the episode conversations, video clips, and even invitations to live virtual events with your hosts. Your support is our accounts payable department, doing all the heavy lifting so we can keep our jobs. We love you guys. Thanks for being here today, and enjoy the show. Oh, you guys, I just have been reminiscing about this game show episode. So many things came to my mind after we recorded it. And you guys, I got so inspired. I'm telling you now. <laughs> I, oh my God. Are you going to be on I a game applied. show? Well, <gasps> I haven't been chosen yet, but I. Oh my God. What applied. did you do? I applied to the, and now I'm trying to guess, is it $100,000 pyramid, right? With um, <gasps> You did? I, know, I probably won't get accepted or anything, but I was very <laughs> oh, motivated. Oh my God. After, wait, um, wait, wait, after wait. the episode. Oh, Can you just I, imagine Carolyn sitting in the ring where the, where the things are flipping? Yes. Oh and my God. Wait, who, is that a show that's on right now again? Yeah, so yes. um, who what's his it? face from Good Morning America? Um, Michael George Michael Stephanopoulos? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> George Stephanopoulos? I was like, <laughs> Michael, Michael Strahan. Michael oh, Michael Strahan. Strahan. Michael Strahan. Right. Yes, Michael you guys, Strahan. that is one of my favorite game shows. Carolyn, if it's you get too, on it, I'm it. coming to sit in the audience and cheer you well, on. Well, for sure. And I thought I could drop in something, you know, when they ask you, well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Or maybe in that one, the host says, this is Carolyn that's maybe on password. But anyway, I would be like, you know, I'm a podcast no. host and I'd use the money to upgrade our equipment and maybe put it towards a new studio. And that <laughs> wow. <kind of> thing. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. So Listeners, it- let's get a write-in campaign going to Michael Strahan, <laughs> <Right>. ABC TV. <laughs> so I have noticed that on a lot of the streaming services right now, they're rebooting a lot of old game shows. They tried mm-hmm. this about what, five, six, seven years ago. And kind of fell flat. Remember when Alec Baldwin did Match Game? And yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. don't, Alec Baldwin, don't try. Do not don't try, try to recreate Match Game. Also, right. Match Game is one that I don't think you'll ever be able to recreate right. because that was so of you the time. You need Brett Summers. Well, you need Brett yes. Summers, but mm-hmm. all those jokes that were that were like, oh, that we all did the, you know, oh, mm-hmm. that's, that's no, no, you can't say that's that on. Naughty. I gave it a try and it was mm-hmm. just like me shaking my head face palm because I'm like, they're trying to be naughty. Cheeky. And so now in today's culture, you need to be naughtier than you were back right. then. You, and then that and just it, becomes shocking. It, and it becomes, it came, it became a little like gross and it just gross. became mm. a little like too, too much. But, um, Jimmy Fallon and has, um, one, uh, he has password and yeah. he brings oh, yeah, on a I different star every time. Mm-hmm. That one was fun. Yeah. I just watched one of those with, he had John Hamm on and I thought that was really fun. It made me just kind of miss the good old days though of yeah. the game shows, which we talk about in this episode. Um, yeah. Do you know what I you love? Guys are gonna hear. This is not, this is not a reboot, but I love the show Generation Gap with Haley. <gasps> I haven't all watched it yet. Too. That's what is her really? name? Haley Kristen Bell? from All My Children. No, Kelly Ripa. 
Oh, Kelly oh, Ripa. Kelly Ripa yes. does it. That's Kelly right. Ripa. Mm-hmm. Right. You guys, it is so funny. If you haven't seen this show, oh, it's when they take grandparents and their grandchildren and they ask them pop culture questions from their generations. And so they'll be like, they'll show a picture of Andy Griffith and they'll ask the kid, this is Sheriff Taylor from what small town? And they'll be like, Springfield? <laughs> and the grandparents oh, like, this no, is great. it's yes, Mayberry. It's so cute. And, and Kelly Ripa's so good. She is so She's good. She's cutie. And I'm listening to her Sean, book right now, yeah. her new book. I'll let you know that Sean Cassidy was one of the questions. Yes. He was a clue. Yeah. He was so mm-hmm. excited when he learned that, too. So that was kind of fun. Um, yeah. So game shows obviously are seeing a little bit of a resurgence, whether it's some of them that are getting rebooted or, in some cases, brand new ones that are super fun and entertaining to watch. So mm-hmm. we've got a lot of um, of those to choose from. I wanted to give a little update to everybody on two of the stories that we do share in um, our original game shows episode. One is, if you remember, we had Karen, my friend Karen, <laughs> on who won the showcase on Price is Right. And you guys, she shared with us what she had won and a few of the items that she still kept. One was this like bar, like kind of on wheels, I think, but a very large bar that was kind of popular in the 70s that you could put in your rumpus room or something. And <laughs> rumpus um, she, room. <laughs> she recently downsized and she had to let go of that bar and she was she very sad. She was very Her Price sad. is Right bar is gone. Yes, Karen, someone else pass. has in their house a bar from the Price is she, Right. It, um, and it is a gentleman that helped her move. He was like helping load up and he liked it and she knew she was maybe going to donate it or whatever. And so she gave it to him. Wow. Which was very sweet. So it lives on and it knows the, the owner knows the story. So we can feel good about that. And then I just wanted to share another quick funny story in that one of my good friends from high school, I had forgotten that her dad was on The Price is Right. And she is convinced that the only reason he got on was if you remember, Karen was telling us how you they'd interview you a little and you had to say a few things and um You'd go in like groups of 10 or something in front of the producers. And she said she's pretty sure her dad only got chosen because his name is Dick Rock. And she thinks that they really wanted to hear somebody, you know, say, Dick Rock, come on down. And have Bob Barker say, Dick Rock, come on up. So we're she's kind of convinced that's why her um, her dad was on the uh, on that episode. But speaking of people that were on episodes, I had the chance to talk to a friend who was a contestant on Wheel of Fortune. And also, you guys, she worked on the set of The Dating Game. She was one of the escorts. What? If people went on the trips and won, she had to go with them. And so like the babysitter, they had right? escorts? Yes. Yes, they did have escorts. So there if was no you listen pinky. to the little thing at the end, it's like, you and an escort will be you oh, know, yes, that's right. jetted off oh, to gosh. Roanoke, Virginia, you which is where escort. Yeah, Karen Carpenter was going to get to go to get Roanoke, Virginia, which we don't think she went on her <laughs> dating game trip. But um, I'm going to share that conversation right now with our listeners um, that I had with my friend Kelly about her game show Kelly, experience. Kelly, I am so glad that you were able to talk with me today. I am so excited to hear some of your backstage scoop on game shows. You probably gathered that we like our behind the scenes scoop. Yes. So we got a little um, Price is Right scoop from my friend Karen, but you come with a whole nother level because you got (laughs) some scoop as a contestant as well as listeners, listen to this, as an employee on a game show. Yes, yes, yes. 
We would love to hear about those experiences. So after college, I moved to LA and I started working as a tour guide at Universal Studios because we made no money. We would all, a lot of us try out for game shows. Now, Price is Right is the only show that is actually picked from the audience on the day that it is taped. So okay. you can be a tourist and go to Price is Right and get on the show. However, that is not the case for the rest of the game shows because you actually have to go to an audition and then you get selected. I tried out for Wheel of Fortune. We went to this audition and it was in Hollywood, but just in like an office building and in a conference room. And they paraded us in and on like a whiteboard, of course, that was, you know, before computers, right. <laughs> um, they had drawn like literally hangman up there, like on the board, like we were playing hangman. There was a tiny wheel, like a little tiny wheel on the side, and we didn't actually spin it. The producers would spin it. Then we all had to sit there and be like, come on, 5,000. <laughs> be as cheesy as we could. Once we did that, then they gave us a written test. And so I guess the people who had the most right, along with come on, 5,000 cheesy right. <laughs> um, and conversation, that was a combination of getting to go on the show. My friend got on daytime and then I did nighttime. So I was one and done. Again, this was back in the days of shopping for the prizes. Well, I was going to ask you that. So <laughs> let's remind our, our listeners about that. So the OG Wheel of Fortune, like you would win <laughs> money, right? When you spun your wheel. Right. Come on, 5,000. That's right. And then if you won the round, is that when you went shopping? Yes. Okay. So- there were three different rounds okay. um, and then there was the grand prize, you know, round. My round that I won was the living room. <laughs> so it, it is so nerve wracking when you're up there. So when you're up there, it's just like, you just have to, you know, when you're, you always think, why are you buying so many vowels? Like stop buying vowels. Right. The minute you get 500, you're buying, you're spending it all on vowels. Like, why are you doing that? Well, I thought that too, until you get up there. And at that point you're like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know. I can't think of a letter. So I'm just going to buy a vowel. While Van is turning the letters, you can think in your mind, okay, what could this be? What could this be? Mine was a saying. And I don't even know how I pulled this out because honestly, as a 22 year old, oh my gosh, know that I'd ever actually heard this saying. I've never used it. And I really don't even know what it means. <laughs> Virtue is its own reward. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. I know that I've never heard it. Maybe. No, literally never heard it since I, I have no idea. Zero. Oh my gosh. Then, you know, you shop for the prizes. So mine was the living room in which I won a sleeper sofa. And this tells you how old it was. <laughs> the, the other prize I was, was a, um, a word processor. <laughs> oh not a computer. Love it. A word processor. I also won, I'm so proud of this, the ceramic dog. Oh my gosh. Oh, listener, she won the ceramic dog. Which I still have. Which I still have. Okay. You need to send a picture. Yes, it's uh, the Sharpay though. It wasn't the Dalmatian. It was the Sharpay. Okay. And I put the rest on a service merchandise gift certificate. <laughs> oh my gosh. This whole experience is so... Nostalgic. I still have the sleeper sofa. Oh, I love that. You still have that stuff. I oh do. my God. <laughs> so great. So then I went on win, lose, or draw. Oh, 
I don't think I knew this part. Yes. And, you know, um, there was nighttime and daytime of that as well. But I was on nighttime with the late, great Bert Convey. Yes. Vicki Lawrence was the daytime host. You know, if you don't remember, it was charades, you know. Right, right. So you went on, there were two guest celebrity women on my team and, you know, a guy and then two guys on the other team, celebrities. So my girls were Leanne Henley from Dynasty and Terry Copley from We Got It Made. The two guys were um, Marty Cove, who played the bad guy on Karate Kid. Oh my gosh, right. And the other one was Bobby Hedges, who played Epstein on Yes, Welcome. yes. Oh. I did wind up winning $2,000. <laughs> well, back then. Back then when I was like 24, you know, that's a lot of money. So then, you know, became so enamored with it. And a bunch of tour guides also worked on game shows that started working for game shows. Oh my gosh. The newlywed game and the dating game. I was a contestant coordinator. I picked the contestants and I chaperoned the trips, the trips. Now I was 24 years old. I had the itinerary, I had everybody's passports, everybody's like tickets. Sometimes you would get like the guy always had his own room. And sometimes I would share with the girl or sometimes we would each have our own. Another one, we went to, it said the West Indies on the show, but it was Grenada because we had just invaded there. Oh my gosh. And we wanted to get like tourism up, I guess. So as a contestant coordinator on dating game and Newlywed, um, so I was then in charge of the tryouts. So the role became reversed. So, oh my gosh. Then we would sit in the isolation booth with them. Did you ever have any famous contestants? Because every once in a while you'll yes. hear like, yeah. oh, I'm um, Mm-hmm. So John Matusak, I don't even remember. He was an NFL yes. player. There was an Olympic figure skater, a guy, but I can't remember his name. And then there's this other theory that I have because several years ago, I was looking through my old address book, like cleaning out drawers, and I was going to throw this one away, whatever. So I was looking through it, and Cato Kalen's name and phone <gasps> was in my address book. What? Oh my gosh. I wish now, my co-hosts were here to hear all this. What? My, like, you know what? I honestly, I could totally see him being a dating game contestant. I think we were around the same age. He was funny. I remember he seems funny and fun. Like, you know what I mean? Right. And so I feel like he was probably a contestant, not famous at the time, obviously. Wow. That is so exciting. And so many <laughs> fun little um, nods to our past because, you know, who has a physical address book anymore? Exactly. Did you keep that one that had his name in I it? I did. I still have it. Yes. With the ceramic dog and the sleepers. <laughs> well, we need pictures um, that you need to send us that we will put in our posts. I will do that. Do I will that. put the ceramic dog on the sleeper sofa. Thanks to Kelly for that fun behind the scenes scoop on some of our favorite game shows. And now, please enjoy an encore presentation of episode 45, Come On Down. John liked to always put butter on his blank. You know, <laughs> just the word blank there. Muffin. <laughs> but. Hello world, there's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of loving is what we'll be bringing. 
will make you happy. Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation who bought their shoes at Kinney and their books at B. Dalton. We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear, like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. And today, we'll be saving the shows we watched while lying on the couch with a cool washcloth on our foreheads, Vic's VapoRub on our chests, and a little ginger ale on the coffee table. We're talking about the 70s version of reality TV, our favorite game shows. I'm Carolyn. I'm Kristen. And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists. Hello world, is a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of loving is what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. Carolyn and Michelle, come on down for this first episode devoted to our favorite game shows of the Gen X era. A topic I'm sure we'll be revisiting because I don't think we can ever have too much Bob Barker in our lives. Oh, I love Bob Barker. Um, he's still in okay. our lives, right? Yeah, yeah he's still yes, in our he lives. Yes, he is. He's 97 yeah. years old or something Well, like yeah. So, of course, we didn't just watch game shows when we were sick, but there's no way to divorce the memory of The Price is Right from being homesick from school. Okay, so my friend Martha, who said, um, do it in your neighbor's butt, it's the same person <laughs> from the Misheard Lyrics episode who thought the Bee Gees were saying, do it in your neighbor's butt. Um, this was her sick day um, game that she played. This was her sick day game that she played. Watching The Price is Right, she's lying down on the couch, and when the show begins and they go, come on down, and the audience is clapping. The audience is clapping from the moment the song starts. Mm -hmm. And so you clap, you clap, and the game is you can't stop clapping <laughs> until the audience stops clapping. And what you figure out when you play this game is that the audience claps for a freakishly long time. <laughs> and after a while, you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, can't, I gotta stop clapping. I can't stop. It's, too, it's too much. You guys have to try it now. It's a workout. It's a workout. Yes. Mm -hmm. okay. You have yeah, to. Not stop right clapping. now. Don't stop clapping. Don't stop. No, not now, Amelia Bedelia. <laughs> try it at home. <laughs> yeah, okay, I yeah. think it's the best game show ever. I mean, I think my game was always... Um, to perfect my rundown to contestants row, right? Who didn't do oh, that? Oh, you know, you kind of uh -huh. you kind of wave your arms and flail them back and forth in the air as you're running. <laughs> Did you try running down the stairs? Because that oh, sounds dangerous. Just running around the living room, I'm sure. <laughs> I just remember, like, how would I do it? Would I like? Would they be like jazz hands that go back and forth? <laughs> would they be kind of like Muppet hands that just kind of flail around? You know, would and I you run do clapping? Have to first, maybe you run you clapping. Don't fall. No, but maybe you run clapping. I don't know. And then how much time did you guys spend shouting at your TVs? Like, oh, oh, gosh, $4. Yeah. $4. $4. What is she talking about? <laughs> no. Oh. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. And I would have a um, pen and paper and calculator ready because my sister and I would bid on the showcase our own bids. And then as soon mm -hmm. as they would say what the actual price mm -hmm. was, I'd quickly do some math because one of us was going to win the showcase. So we actually oh. played and had our own guesses. So, you had a calculator. Yeah, that's yeah, fabulous. And that's actually what they had, too. I was watching a documentary about The Price is Right in early days of The Price is Right. They basically had a calculator right there on the <laughs> sidelines and were kind of doing the math so they could tell the 
oh, I'm not going to get to the technical people what to put in. Yeah. So the yeah. digital numbers oh. came up, how much you were off. and Okay. And in those days, the calculator was kind of a newfangled yeah. operation. Yeah. Right. This was not like, I remember going to Sears to buy my dad a calculator, like the whole family went to Sears to buy the calculator. Yeah. And it probably was in the locked case. I remember buying my mom one for Christmas and yep. it was in like a jewelry case almost. They're like, which one? And they had to <laughs> unlock the case, take it out. Texas Instruments. I think one of the things I loved about The Price is Right is all the different games that you would get to play. And mm-hmm. to me, those seemed really technologically advanced. And now, <laughs> now they're not. But didn't you think, I mean, that little mountain oh, yeah. climber? That could climb up. The- oh, I loved him. The little <laughs> right? and his hat on. Yes, yeah. but didn't you think that was pretty? Like this? <laughs> yes. And then if he got to the end, then he fell <laughs> off the other oh, end. Oh, yes. But, that was so sad. But didn't you guys think all those games were pretty advanced? Oh, sure. It was At the time, like I did. Going yeah. to Disneyland. It was like Small yeah. World where all the people were moving and stuff like that. Everything was <laughs> no. so mechanical and advanced. Yeah. <laughs> Makes me think of Rhoda behind the voting board. Oh, Remember yeah. it? when she's helping Mary yes. Do, yes. do the news on election night? Yes. And she's just like with her hand, like moving yeah. the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how but, it was. And I think the price is right today. The games are way more advanced. But did you guys have any favorites? Of all the little games that they would play, can you think of any favorites that you had or ones you didn't like? I never liked the ones where it was like higher or lower. Like there were two prizes up there. Those are my favorite. Yeah. You liked those? Yeah, because it was easy for me to play. So that oh. if it was just like they would say, all you had to know is they would have a box of rice aroni, the San Francisco treat. <laughs> and all, and they would say, okay. And all he would do is flip down the little thing and it would say 79 cents. And those were easy for me to go, no, higher, <laughs> higher. Or, or I could join in. You could hear the crowd. You could hear the audience yelling higher or lower. Mm-hmm. If the audience is yelling a price, like if it's for a car and the audience is yelling out, 5260 and they're all yelling different things. It's very hard for me to play along. But if I don't know the price of rice roni because I'm an eight-year-old child, but I'm homesick from school and I can hear the audience yelling, higher, higher, higher. I can join in from the couch. Higher, 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 right? <laughs> and that one was super easy because it was just higher or lower. That's all it was. There was a lot of rice-a-roni, wasn't there? Yes. There a was. The San Francisco treat. Yeah. The game I loved was, I think it was called mm-hmm. Any Number. And it's when they had the three prizes, like the top prize, usually a car, M- second prize, something middle of the road. And the third was like mm-hmm. the piggy bank. Frigidaire. Yeah. And oh, you yeah. had to like guess. And so you would yell out the numbers. And here is so telling as to what era it was. I'd always say three, maybe sometimes four, because that was always the first number in the car. The car was always 3,000 and something or oh. 4,000 and something. Yeah. Oh, so, my goodness. Yes. And so those mm-hmm. were always, and I was always amazed when they'd say something like, you know, nine. And I'd be like, yeah. what? I mean, sometimes no, that might be yeah. a later number, but right. I always have to start with three or four and get that out of yeah. the way. Because if it wasn't three, then you knew it was going to be four. So oh, you okay. just needed to yeah. go ahead and get yeah. those out. And so, and I, let's just say, I mean, the car is what everybody wants. It's the car. Oh, gosh, it's all about course. the car. Of Screw course. the dishwasher. A new car. Right. Yes. It was like, mm-hmm. a, it was like a Pinto. Right. <laughs> um, I loved the game called Punch a Bunch where a big board comes out. They probably still have it, but it's probably not like literally just construction paper behind it. And you have to punch your hand through and pull out different things. I loved that one. And then the one I hated the most because I felt like it seemed impossible and it was really unfair is the hole in one game where you had to put, you had to put 
and you had to get, and that was always for a car. And who's going to get the hole in one? Well, not you because you're not Bob Barker always did. Remember Bob Barker always did? Yeah. He did? Mm -hmm. Traumatic gym experience might affect your um, (laughs) ability to hit the uh, Mm -hmm. the hole in one. I was just wondering if you have ever seen the Happy Gilmore. Uh, Have you seen Happy Gilmore? (laughs) Oh, yeah. So when Bob Barker and Adam Sandler are partners in a golf (laughs) tournament and Happy is really bad and they get in a big fight and it's Mm -hmm. funny. I, um, did you guys love, um, did you have favorite Barker beauties? I did. I loved Holly and I loved Janice. Remember Holly with the red hair? Yes. I did love Holly. I did Mm -hmm. love Holly. And Janice had the blonde hair. She looked like a Barbie. Mm -hmm. Yes. Miss America Barbie. They did feel like authority figures to me. Like for some reason I, I imbued them with some sort of respect. Yeah. And I didn't know they were called the Barker beauties. I had no idea. Oh yeah. But they, I, I thought they were like teachers or something. This is something I've wondered about before. How many people thought about, oh, I really want X. I, want, I wish I could go on a game show so I could get X. Like, for instance, we did not have a dishwasher when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And I'd be sitting there, standing on my chair, washing dishes because I'm not tall enough to stand at the sink and doing it. And I think to myself, how, how <laughs> could we get a dishwasher? Oh my God, maybe, maybe if we could go on a game show as if we couldn't go and just buy one. I just thought that there was no possible way to gather enough. Like, was a dishwasher $5 million? There's just no way you could possibly buy one. You Mm -hmm. have to win one. Right. And I just wonder if there are other people who fantasized about that. I don't know. I wanted the hot tub. That was my thing I always wanted. And that was, Mm -hmm. that was either a standalone thing or it was often in the showcase showdown. So whatever showcase showdown had the hot tub, that's the one I was going to bid on. Mm Mm-hmm. And there wasn't always a showcase. Well, there was always a showcase at the end, but there wasn't always the wheel that you spun. That only happened when they went to an hour-long game show format for Price is Right, which was the first game show um, to ever go to an hour format. Oh, yeah. um, I don't know that I ever watched it without the wheel. Oh, yeah. Where two people were competing for the showcase. That's that's the only way I remember it. Yeah. Well, there was always two people competing, but it was just the top two – of the, oh, of maybe, the yeah. night that okay. it, or the day that it come up because oh, I don't okay. know if you guys remember there was a morning, there was the daytime one, which is primarily what we're going to talk about with Bob Barker, but then there was an evening Price is Right and Dennis James was the host of that. But the Price is Right was, I mean, the one, I think when we ask anyone what their favorite mm-hmm. memory of a daytime mm-hmm. game show and staying home, it would be the Price is Right, which actually, in case you didn't know, first aired in 1956. Oh, really? really? No. Wow. But With uh, Bob Barker? Not with Bob Barker. Bob Barker, okay. our uh, memory or what we remember of The Price is Right, that did start in 1972. But there were it- iterations of the game throughout the 60s. But the one we know was 1972. And it was produced by two names that I bet you'll know if I give you a little hint. Because as soon as okay. I saw the first name, I could tell you the the second name. And it would always say at the end, um, a production of, and then it would say two names. Does anyone remember what they are? Oh my God. Yeah, I if can I see said them. And Mark I know was when the you first s- name. Oh, yes. yeah. Oh, shoot. Um, oh, Mar- um, it's right a here. Mark. A Mark. It's same. Good, Goodman production. Good. Goodman. Goodman. Very good. A Mark oh, Goodson <laughs> and, and Bill Todd. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. I can't believe I got that. Yes. A Mark Goodson and it's Bill Todd. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God, and they were funny. like the kings of game shows. If you think mm-hmm. about it, a lot of the ones that maybe we'll talk about later were 
um, productions of Mark Goodson and Bill Todman. I'm so proud of myself right now. It was, and Price is Right wasn't as much, I wasn't, it wasn't as much a sick day memory for me as as it is an every day of the summer. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that Like I remember when school went back in the fall, I loved school, but I was really sad to not get to watch Price is Right every day. (laughs) You miss your Bob Barker. Yeah, well Mm -hmm. that was every, every day. Every single day. And mm-hmm. it was actually, this is backtracking a little bit, but it was the first game show to ever be broadcast in color. And oh, of course, when we wow. get to the 70s, which of course we think color, it think of the, the um, what's the word I want everyone? The color palette. The color palette of that show. Just the bright, everything was yeah. kind of this kaleidoscope of color. It was so and 70s. And that was the 70s. When you think yeah. about it, it really mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. Um, so September 4th, 1972 was actually the day that Bob Barker appeared in our living rooms as the host of The Price is Right, where he stayed for the next 35 years. <gasps> you wow. guys, 35 Every years. Every day. And they is that a record? I think so. <laughs> I mean, I know he's won a Lifetime <laughs> Achievement Award for it. Um, certainly for game show host. I don't mm-hmm. know. About let's probably. say yes. Let's yeah, say yes. Go let's say yes. he holds the record for the longest running game show host. Mm-hmm. And we've given him the PCPS award for that. Mm-hmm. But his story of becoming a game show host is kind of godipitous. I want to tell you guys about that. So Bob Barker, back in the 50s, he had a radio show. He was a DJ at a radio st- station that shared its space with a TV studio where an audience participation show was produced live. And so one day the host of that show was actually too drunk to come on and host oh, the God. show. Oh. So the producers kind of were scrambling. They ran to the radio station. They grabbed Bob to come do this live TV show. And he didn't know what he was doing. He went out there. He said he got a few laughs and he was hooked. He knew this is what he wanted to do forever. So moving around, ended up moving to LA. He had his own radio show there for about six years. And then in 1956, he was hired to host the game show Truth or Consequences. And that is when his career began in game show hosting. And then of course, we know the rest is history after September 4th, 1972, when he became the permanent host of The Price is Right. He was so handsome back then too. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he was always kind of a handsome, but in my memory... Certainly, in the seventies, he was always kind of an older man. Oh yeah, yeah. He probably was like, wasn't any older than we are now, or something. <laughs> oh, and when I was guys, watching him, but true. but as a small, you know, as a six-year-old or a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, when I was watching it, Bob Barker seemed older, like older than my parents, older mm-hmm. than oh yeah, maybe maybe like a young grandpa type. But I'm just trying to imagine if he was handsome then, what he must have looked like in like 1960. <laughs> <Yow>. <laughs> he was a tiger, as they say. <laughs> know what they say about Bob Barker. Yow. <laughs> Yow. Those well, Barker I'm beauties. share a f- um, funny story with you guys. So um, Andy, my husband now, when we were in college. Now, just now. now just now. That's right. Yeah. Ask her again in 10 years. years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. My current husband. Um, when we were in college, we had the same major. He was a year older. But anyway, we would be in class, you know, the first day in new semester, you're going around the room and lots of times they're saying, well, what do you plan to do with your communications major? What are your future plans? And Andy undoubtedly every time would say he was going to replace Bob Barker on The Price is Right. That (gasps) That was was his thing. That was his thing. I mean, so much so that like we've gone to reunions and people, I mean, people texted him, emailed him when Bob Barker did retire and people remembered that from college. 
I know. It's super crazy. When, They're like, when do you start? Yeah. Did you start on like, Monday? Did you see? He's retiring, remember? <laughs> um, so that was always... Drew Carey beat you out. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to move to California, if truth be told. <laughs> to Burbank. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ew. That's right. Mm-hmm. CBS Studios. Anyway, so he... Um, yeah, that was always our fun um, little joke that went on. And yeah. when he, we moved from Virginia to Texas and his... Co-workers gave him a going-away party. It was all as the price is right. So his his Aww. former secretaries and stuff were Cochran's. I don't know. They had some name. They were Barker's Beauties, but not. Yeah, I don't uh, know. I don't know. I don't want to know. You know, I know. Don't finish the rest I of that. They were Cochran's something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Let's, let's get rid of the alliteration. That's, right. That's anyway. more about me than him. It was really cute. So Bob oh Barker is a special place in my heart because of, of mm-hmm. all of that. Okay. Price is Right rules is one of those things that is sort of like a Gen X marker. Like the people who understand what Price is Right rules is are whatever. Mm-hmm. You can, no matter what you're playing, you can say, okay, Price is Right rules. Right. And generally yeah. people our age know what that is. Yeah. You can't yeah. go over. You can't no, go, go over. over the price. Uh, under Whoever fine. gets the highest one without mm-hmm. going over. Yeah. You're the yeah. winner. And we have a name for it, and we can identify each other based on your knowledge of what that means. Okay, so Carolyn, so when did game shows actually become a staple of daytime TV? Because that's how we think of it. This is six-day viewing or summertime Mm -hmm. viewing. Right, and it actually did become the staple that it is right in our childhood. It was the early Hmm. 70s when um, the networks decided that they needed to kind of liven things up a bit. They had two motivating factors to going to game shows. One was that game shows were the least expensive of any kind of programming to produce. Studio time was a major cost factor for TV programming. And those costs could actually be cut as much as like 80% with game shows because you could technically do a whole week's worth of game show episodes in one day. They could do five episodes in one day. So you're talking um, major cost savings there. And the other reason was they wanted to reach more females. And in the oh. early 70s, there were a lot of females staying at home. And I found an interesting article that I want to share with you guys. It was a 1974 article in the New York Times. And it details this rise in game shows. Because at that time in 1974, you could, between the hours of 9 a.m. and 2 p.m. on any major network, was always a game show. There were nine game shows just within that span of time. But they were really targeted to our moms. And I want you guys to hear this. So in this uh, New York Times article, they got a quote from Lynn Bolin, who was the VP of daytime programming for NBC. And Lynn said that women who watch TV during the day want something that they can follow mechanically while they do their housework. Okay, so something that Mm -hmm. they wouldn't have to feel guilty if they were just sitting idly in front of the TV. Oh, my God. Uh, A housewife might need to be ironing. Yes. Mm -hmm. So game shows were ideal because there were buzzers and bells and audience applause. So the woman at home could keep track kind of of what was going on, but she didn't have to have her eyes glued on the TV, which you would have to do if you were watching your soap opera. Or Lynn's example, the Dinosaur Show, where it's a talk show and you'd have to sit and kind of pay attention. So it was all targeted to women who were staying at home doing these hmm. menial, mundane tasks. Yeah. Okay, that is kind of, you're blowing my mind right now. It's, first of all, that's brilliant. 
And one of the reasons it's brilliant is because when you first started saying this, that this was aimed at women, nine TV shows all during the day, and my first thought went to when I was at home with a toddler, and I would never have the courage to sit down and watch TV like that because I would be... I should be doing something productive. Oh, absolutely. Um, where is my child? Right. Um, I should be checking something off my list. I can't just sit here and watch. But that alleviates that burden. Mm-hmm. And I will say that that's a societal pressure. And so they had this like gold mine, really, because when you think of The Price is Right, for example, not only does it have the bells and whistles and all of that kind of stuff, it is advertising all these Items right. that these women would be buying at the grocery store: the rice aroni, the hamburger helper, the detergent, oh, yes. beanie. You know all, <laughs> all of yep. those things. This was just a great idea because <laughs> not only are you adverti- advertising, the advertisers are giving you money for this product placement. So you are getting mm-hmm. money from Hamburger Helper and Rice Aroni to uh, advertise their products. Mm-hmm. And it, and just putting them on the show gives them desirability. Right. Right? Like you get a year's supply of Rice-A-Roni. <laughs> and that alone is like, oh, we must want Rice-A-Roni. And let's be honest, you guys, we all loved Loved, loved The Price is Right. And wasn't mm-hmm. it everyone's dream to be on it, to be a contestant yes. on it? Goals. Like I said Hashtag earlier, didn't goals. we? Yes. And like I said, mm-hmm. didn't we all practice our run to contestants row? Didn't yeah. we all imagine what we would say when Bob Barker brought us up on stage? Would we be terrified? Would we be clever? <laughs> um, did we all dream about what prizes we would choose? Like the I told car, you, I wanted that hot car. tub. Oh, I wanted the, the hot tub. <laughs> Yeah, Carolyn, did you have too. a dream prize, the car too? Yeah. And there were some people who wanted that stuff so badly that they would camp out. Mm-hmm. They would. They'd camp out a lot. <laughs> they'd camp out <laughs> yeah. hundreds of times. There's one gentleman who has made it into the audience at least 180 times. He has set the oh record. I think wow. he's been actually called up on stage and been an actual contestant twice, but mm-hmm. He's a super fan, and they have these super fan groups out there that give you hints on when to get in line and what to do. Um, so it's amazing that my friend Karen actually made it on the show. That's right. Karen is one of our biggest PCPS super fans, and Karen and Carolyn actually have been friends for decades. And Karen not only achieved the dream of getting on The Price is Right, she actually got a little bit farther. Here's Karen's really, really exciting Price is Right story. I decided to fly out to California to visit a friend, a college friend. We laughed about he didn't take a day off work the entire time I was there. I had to come up with my own things to do every day. And uh, so the night before we thought, Hey, maybe I'll go see a game show or go, you know, do something like that. So that morning he dropped me off at the studio and I just got in line. I had, I didn't have a ticket. I didn't think you had to have a ticket, but when I got in line, I was behind these two really sweet ladies. And I want to say their names honestly were like Mert and Gert and they had some kind of ticket that they were able to get in and they, and it would allow you to bring more than one person. So they said, Oh, you can get in with us. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I mean, I was there for like seven hours or seven or eight hours, not filming the show, but just waiting. They did let us get out of line to go have lunch. But I hung out with my golden girlfriends. 
And then right before you come in, they you stop and sitting in these director's chairs is like the director and his assistant. And they just go down the line and they say, um, you know, tell us your name and where you're from. And they just go bang, 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 bang. And then that's when they choose who they want to be on the show. So I was chosen then, but I didn't know. So, and so we're sitting in the audience and um, they do the, the uh, when they, you know, call your name, I was number three of the first four. And I mean, I just, when they said my name, I was just like in shock. Like, yeah. I mean, I was like, Oh my gosh, it's our ran up there. Down, yes, like, yes, yes. Did you put your hands in the air? Yes, yes. Uh, first item came for bids, and it was this tennis ball machine, you know, that shoots out the tennis <laughs> balls. I mean, listen, they don't give you pencils, they don't give you paper, they don't give you calculators. I mean, you just have to come up with something. You just on the fly. And so I'm like, I have no idea how much these things cost. Well, I had met earlier, because you meet people online, this couple that had just gotten married. And I just looked at this this couple and the husband was saying some number and they probably thought I knew them, which I didn't. And I just said, whatever he said. And you know what? I won. I won. (laughs) I was the closest one. So I ran on stage. Well, it doesn't seem like it happened. I mean, honestly, it's funny when it comes up and people talk about it. I'm like, it doesn't seem like it really happened. So I got on stage and the game was, and I will say this, to this day, I still don't understand the game. Okay. It was very confusing (laughs) and I still don't understand it. And uh, so a door opens and there is a dishwasher and then the other one opens and there is a bar. They had these dollar amounts underneath them. And then they said, which is the better bargain? I I just still don't even understand the game. So I mean, the whole audience, I'm looking at the audience and I'm like, uh, they're all screaming bar. So I said, bar. And it was right. (laughs) I had to go sit back in the audience, but on the front row by myself, waiting for the spin the wheel time. I mean, it was just so surreal, the whole thing. So it was time for spin the wheel. I'm like, okay. And so I get up there and I spin and it lands on 80 (laughs) cents. In one spin, I'm in the showcase showdown. Here's what I would like. I want the camera to cut to Mert and Gert right now and watch them like losing their minds, but also a little bit upset. excited for me. I think they're excited. I had to then go sit back in my seat and wait because then they had to do three more games in the spin the wheel. So I went and, you know, sat down and then I came back. I had won the most. So I got to decide if I wanted to pass or play. And this is something that for your pop culture preservation society people would, uh, would um, relate to this. My mom, after the whole thing was over, um, said, well, how did you know to pass or play? And I'm like, you always know. I said, <laughs> I grew up watching this show. You always, you just know that. I'm thinking, didn't you watch? So we both did our bids. Like they showed her, they showed the first one. I obviously passed. And then they showed mine. And mine was a refrigerator, a um, baby grand piano, and a camper trailer. That you <gasps> a pop up camper? A camper trailer, you hooked your truck. It's not a driving one, but a camper trailer. Oh my God. And so I had to, you know, give what, what, you know, I thought the amount was. Yeah. Well, when I said, like, spending, like, were you even knowing? Like, I would be like, I don't know how much a camper trailer is. I'd probably guess, like, something so wrong. Well, what I can't did, go over. Yeah. Well, the audience, 
Like, oh, true. So I am literally looking at the audience and just thinking, okay, trying to understand what they're saying yeah. and stuff. And so when I say my amount, I say it almost questioning, like, uh, I'm just going to make up something, um, 24,000. And he's like, and, and the music starts coming on and stuff. And he's like, is that your bid? And I said, I, I think, I don't know. What are they saying? And he's like, I don't know what they're saying. I mean, I just didn't know. Like I said, they don't give you calculators or pencils or pens or paper. She bid and she was way far away from the thing. And then when they said mine, I was the closest and I won. And it was Oh, it was just crazy. And then what was so sweet is, you know, then at the end, how they have you run on stage and stuff. Well, Mert and Gert came up there oh, and they were, they were skipping. They were skipping. <laughs> they were so excited. And Holly and Janice said, oh, are these your grandmothers? I said, no, I just <laughs> met on today. And I was, and you know, like back then we didn't have cell phones. I mean, you know, I couldn't. I wish I had gotten their information or whatever, but you know that was the last time I saw them was on stage. I saw Mert and Gert ever again, no, and no, they're because, part of this huge memory. I know, I know, I know. It, because after the show, they whisk you off and have you start signing all this paperwork and stuff like that. So I never saw them again. Maybe they funny. were like two angels. I'm thinking they were two oh. angels that just came down. God sent them down because you were sad about leaving your job, and then they just flew back up. <laughs> It was so funny. It really is hard for me to believe I was on the show. Oh my gosh. You guys, first of all, Karen, we love you. We love your enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. And oh my gosh, we love that now we know someone that actually won the Showcase Showdown. That's insane. It's like I wanted to reach out and touch her. Because she's been on the stage with Bob Barker with that name yes. tag. I'm so I'm as enamored with the name tag as I am with Bob Barker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And we'll be posting, people listening, we'll be posting a picture of Karen um, Karen and her name tag and all of this uh, <laughs> little souvenirs she still has from her time on the show. But I would give anything to see Karen um, winning that showcase showdown oh, with Mert and Gert running on stage. And, and I God, have tried I to find that episode. I've gone on YouTube. I've gone everywhere. I have found the episode from the day before. So her episode aired April 24th, 19, what was it 90? 90. Yeah, 1990. 1990. Mm -hmm. So if anybody has any access to mm -hmm. Price is Right episodes from the 90s, contact us because Karen mm -hmm. really wishes she had video of that and she wants to find her friends Mert and Gert. She'd love to track them down too. So anybody have any Isn't that funny how we document absolutely everything. We have video of everything our children have ever done in their entire lives and Karen has no proof of her ever being on The Price is Right. She just went home. Well, she's got that bar. Yeah, she does have the bar. That <laughs> That's right. She's got that freestanding bar. <laughs> right. And her name tag. Which is Don't fabulous. I would she's never her name get rid tag. of that bar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Welcome to the middle of the episode game show where you have the opportunity to leave with all new PCPS merch. Kristen from Anoka and Carolyn from Fargo. Are you ready to play? I'm ready, Bob. I am ready. Let's do it, Bob. All right, Kristen, the first question is for you. What's the best way for this incredible, joy-inducing podcast to keep getting heard? That would be sharing the PCPS with everyone. Absolutely. And for 100 bonus points, Kristen, how can people do that? 
by sharing our social media posts, um, and by old-fashioned word of mouth, Bob, telling everyone they know about the PCPS. That's right, and that's 250 points to Kristen. Carolyn, this next question is for you. What can people do to let the wonderful, and may I say very youthful, hosts of this podcast know you like their conversations? That's an easy one, Bob. They can write a review on Apple Podcasts and click the five stars. Correct. And for 100 bonus points, Carolyn, what if they aren't listening on Apple Podcasts? They follow the PCPS where they do listen and share, 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 share. That is right. And that's 250 points to Carolyn. It's a tied game for the tiebreaker. Ladies, how can people sign up for the PCPS Fun Weekly Reader delivered each week straight to your inbox? Sign up for our emails at pop preservation. Pop, hold on. Poppreservationist.com. Start that whole thing. What do the <laughs> judges say? Well, let's go to the judges on that. <laughs> Sign up for emails at poppreservationist.com. What she, what she said. Well, that is correct. And that's the game. And it looks like Kristen beat you to that answer, Carolyn. Kristen, you are going home with a bunch of fun PCPS merch. Now available on the PCPS website at poppreservationists.com or at redbubble.com. Search for Society Sundries. Stickers, mugs, tote bags, apparel, magnets, and more. I was really hoping for that PCPS logo tote bag. Can you give me one of the Fisher-Price Play family stickers, please? Okay, so The Price is Right was the big money of all game shows. But we had other favorites, too, in our daytime viewing. Um, and we're each going to share just one with you today. Although I might let you guys do some honorable mentions. But just mentions. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure we have enough feelings for an entirely other um, game show episode. We could do mm-hmm. a whole episode on each individual game show. So let's make this our desert island pick. Okay? All right. Mm-hmm. You're 10 years old. You've got a bad case of strep throat. And you're stranded on the couch on a desert island. You can only watch one game show. What is it? Carolyn. Well, I'm going to give you a hint and see if you guys know what this one might be. Dumb Dora was so dumb. (laughs) How dumb was she? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) That would be Match Game, my friends. I love it so much. And it had everything that little Carolyn loved in the TV show. Mm -hmm. It had these celebrities, and they were kind of regular people. We're kind of Battle of the Network stars, like, Mm -hmm. in this game show. I thought that was so incredibly fun. And I would be lying if I said I didn't enjoy the double entendre kind of questions Mm -hmm. that they had. You know, Mm -hmm. John liked to always put butter on his blank you know, I just the word blank there. Muffin. <laughs> but see, I was too young to think like oh, what we're supposed to be thinking. Me. I would think I would go straight to butt. <laughs> no, I yeah. loved. I uh, thought it was so naughty and kind oh, of. Yeah, exactly. um, you felt kind oh, of, yeah. yeah. Especially if you got it. Yes. And Gene Rayburn, he just had a way, uh, he was the host, and he had a way with that long microphone. I love that microphone with the tiny little button on the top. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. he just had a way of delivering those questions where it Mm -hmm. just, it's like if you didn't say a naughty answer, you sounded stupid with 
whatever you just said on like his muffin. Like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, muffin. <laughs> but no. Anyway, okay. Uh-huh. Amelia Bedelia's like, oh, muffin. <laughs> but believe it or not, you guys, there was a documentary on the match game called The Real Match Game Story Behind the Blank. Oh, <laughs> I watched. Wait, I want to write that down. I want to watch that. What did you watch yeah. it on? Um, I think I just watched like it on YouTube. YouTube. Yes. Okay. Um, Behind the blank. Behind the blank. That's perfect. So it debuted in 1973. And if you remember, one of the fun things about Match Game is it had the year after the name. So it would be Match Game 73. And then the next game year, it was Match Game 74. The first week's panelists were, get this lineup, Michael Landon, Jack Klugman, Richard Dawson, who at that time was on Hogan's Heroes, Mm -hmm. Anita Gillette. Do you remember that name? I Mm-mm. do. Yes, yes, Vicky yes, I Lawrence do, I can't remember why. And Joanne Flug. Those were the <laughs> initial panelists on Match Game. And then Jack Klugman, he kind of had a lot of fun on there. He couldn't be – so Jack Klugman, everyone, if you don't remember, is, was from The Odd Couple. Um, and he thought his wife might be a good panelist. So he suggested that to the producers. And they reached out to his wife, who was Brett Summers. Oh, I'm waiting. Oh! <gasps> Oh, my God. Yes. I knew it. I knew it. So her mm-hmm. first appearance was um, not long after the show started, and it so happened that Charles Nelson Riley was also a panelist <laughs> on that um, episode. And Wait, boom, they're not married? No. She's married. I thought Jack- Brett Summers and Charles Nelson Riley were a couple. No. There, so you've oh. learned something new. Although Brett Summers and Jack Klugman are a good couple. And That's she played couple. his ex-wife on the show, on The Odd Couple. Okay. I think it was his ex-wife. Somebody might correct me there. But she did have a part in the show, okay. in The Odd Couple. Um, but she, Brett, and Charles Nelson Riley just had this incredible chemistry and banter back mm-hmm. and forth. So much so that the producers, Mark Goodman and Bill Todman, <laughs> asked them if they would like to be regulars on the show, if mm-hmm. they would like to be regular panelists. So they signed um, Brett, Charles, and also Richard Dawson to be the three regular panelists. So I'm sure all of our listeners and you two right now can see that mm-hmm. panel board in front of you. Mm-hmm. And you always know yep. the first seat was a guest, usually a male or most often a male. Then we had Brett. Then we had Charles Nelson Riley. Then you would come mm-hmm. down to the bottom row. And I hate to say in the documentary, they called that the dumb blonde spot. And they, it would always be a female. Um, I mm-hmm. guess lots of times it was a blonde. Um, that would be the person there. Then you'd have Richard Dawson. And then you'd have kind of that funny comedian person at the mm-hmm. end, like um, Betty White often sat there. Marsha Wallace mm-hmm. from Bob Newhart. Mm-hmm. One of my faves. She was on there a lot. Yep. Fanny Flagg. Who were we? Were we all blown away in the eighties when we've got fried green tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe? And you're saying Fanny Flag, and I'm like Fanny Flag from Match Game. Wait a minute. You're just wait a minute. My head's exploding. I just now put that that's the same Fanny Flag together. Yes. Do you guys remember one of the things I would love is that especially if like Brett Summers would write something really super funny, she would show it after that. She would they would show <laughs> yes, it to each other, right. and then I loved how it was almost like they were friends. They, they were would show game. each other their answers, mm-hmm. and they would laugh so hard at each other's answers. I love that. Or even from the bottom row, he'd hold one up and right. like show it behind him. You yeah. guys, this might be my dream job. I feel like I missed the boat. That would be such a fun mm-hmm. job. But 
they would, there were some things they weren't allowed to say. So they went, um, the contestants actually went in with the producers before the show started and they would say, these are the words you cannot say on TV. This is against FCC rules or whatever. Um, you could not say urinate, but you could say tinkle or wet, but you could not say urinate. You could not. I do remember a lot about wet. Yeah. So there was like, wet and tinkle. Wet is a good word. You could not say word. fornicate, like someone was going to say that, but you could say make love or. Mm-hmm. Or whoopee. Or whoopee. That's what I was going to say. That was another favorite. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> that was another favorite. Um, but every once in a while, one time Marsha Wallace said genitalia, and you would have thought she said, there was like a fire in the building. The alarms went off. The sirens went off. Everyone was like talking. And yeah, because genitalia evidently was not allowed to be said either. So and you, so that means you can't really replicate it today because the standards are so different for what you can say. Exactly. Where's the humor? Exactly. And they, how far mm-hmm. would you have to push the envelope to make it funny? So the show went to the early 80s and they almost said that's kind of what what made it not as interesting anymore either is that that just wasn't as funny and organic as it used to be because so much more mm-hmm. was kind of acceptable but you know when they would say something about electric boobs or whatever you know it was just like <laughs> I remember they would draw sometimes so like the boobs oh, would have like yes, little, the O's yes, would yes. have little dipples on them or why something this uh <laughs> Why isn't this a party game now? And it maybe it is a party board game now because um, I think we need a PCPS couples game night with match game. And if it's not a game, we need to create it. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I want, but only if Brett Summers and Charles Nelson Riley can come. <laughs> I loved him so yeah, much. Yeah, and it was really they said the perfect combination of game show, but also just entertainment like the the mm-hmm. game show aspect of it was just kind of woven into this bigger um almost mm-hmm. comedy show kind of thing gene rayburn when you go back and look at some of these clips he'd come like crashing out when they'd say his name like and welcome to our host gene rayburn and you know he comes out and breaks through some cardboard door and talking into his little button my desert island picked i have a three-way tie i'm just going to do this before oh, Kristen what? can <laughs> Um, because I, I know Kristen's going to do one. it. No, I, know I didn't. I honestly didn't. I chose one. I really did choose Bull, one. I call foul. Anyway, so you I'm going to tell wait. you about one. I'm going to okay. tell you about one of mine. Um, and my one that I picked oh, for actually, today. Oh, actually, I do kind of have some information. See, mm-hmm. You said See, honorable, it but it's everyone. not a favorite. It's just a just factoid. Wait it's wait just a it. factoid. You're not a It'll real always happen. Um, So the one I'm going to share with you today that was one of my very favorites is, and I love all game shows. Like now that you're talking about match game, it's like I want to go watch old match I know, games. Me too. But the one I'm going to talk about today is the Hollywood Squares. Um, usually it was always one male and one female. Did you guys realize that played against each other? The male was always the X. The woman was always the O. Um, oh, they should have made it X's and Y's. Uh, yeah, right. Um, and it's just the basic tic-tac-toe rule, right? You just need to make mm-hmm. your X's need to go or your O's need to go up in vertical, horizontal, or diagonal. Um, and so, but the best is that there are nine stars, nine celebrities. So much like Match Game, you've got these celebrities kind of coming off their shows and... Mm-hmm conversing with each other and just being funny. But the best to me is they sat in this gigantic three-by-three tic-tac-toe grid, like a big board. And I just thought that was the coolest, that like they could, you could see the winding staircases on the side that you knew that's how the people on the top row had to get up. I wanted nothing more than to sit up in one of those top squares if I could have, if I could have ever been on the show. But It never um, occurred to me that they had to get up there. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, if you watch the old ones, there's winding oh. staircases on the side all the way up to the top. Yes, it was so oh fun. And God, so cool. um, so basically the contestants just have to pick a celebrity and they have to answer a question. And if they agree with the celebrity's answer, they get to put an X there, right? We understand it. We're not idiots. Um, Hollywood Squares was hosted by Peter Marshall for all 15 years of its run before it went on into different iterations of it. Um, and it had that rotating cast that is honestly just brilliant. Like, brilliant. And most people, I mean, honestly, who wasn't on Hollywood Squares, like, multiple times? I even saw, I was watching an old one the other day. Um, I even saw, like, a 13-year-old Melissa Gilbert was on Hollywood Squares with all these older people. Yes, because, you know, she was, at the time, she was on a big hit show. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to just give you, the the list is tremendous of who was on Hollywood Squares. Um, I'm going to give you a list of some of um, the, kind of the Hall of Famers, Okay. Um, we have um, George Goebel was on 490 oh, times. Harvey Corman, Rosemary was on 782 oh, times. Sally. Vince, Vincent Price was on 693 of their oh, shows. My God. Nanette Fabre, Karen Valentine was on 259 episodes. Maury Amsterdam, 241 episodes. Bill Bixby, remember Wayland and Madam with the puppet? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh huh. But the best, you guys, the best, best, best who everyone associates with Hollywood Squares is the center square. And that's Mm. Paul End. And Paul End was on all 1,079 episodes of the Hollywood Squares. Wow. Really? Um, Yes. Yeah. There was a couple. I'll tell you why he wasn't in in, in just a handful of them in just a minute. But like um, in 1968, after two years on the show... Uh, Paul End was so popular that he became the regular center square. And from 1968 on, he was featured in that very important center square, the one that everybody's, everybody, well, you don't always need it unless if you're on the top row and, you know, but it's, it's, it's a the most useful square, square, right? Yeah. And one thing is that, so he became the regular center square after 1968. And you guys, his like just outrageous jokes and one-liners Earned him three Daytime Emmy Award nominations in 1972, 1973, and 1974 for being for being the on the Hollywood person Squares. on a game show, not yeah. the host or anything. Right, so he's right. he's basically a guest. He's yeah. a guest yeah. on a game show, and he got how many? Yeah, three, three. nominations: 72, wow. 73, and um, 74. Yeah. And his jokes, I mean, they were so snarky and risque and naughty, and they were just hilarious. He would even, um, he almost always alluded to or poked fun at his sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to give you a couple of his best one-liners. Here's one of them. Why does a chef pound his meat? Oh, God. And Paul Lind goes, (laughs) loneliness. (laughs) Oh, God. That was a good impersonation. Here's another good one. Uh, uh, Thank you. Peter Marshall says, uh, Paul, can anything bring tears to a monkey's eyes? And he thinks for a minute and he says, learning that Tarzan swings both ways. <laughs> uh, and then here's one of my favorites. According to the book, an encyclopedia of fairies, who's generally, who's generally better looking, a fairy or a pixie? Looks aren't everything. <laughs> And I can see his face when he's done. He does a like, "Mm, mm, mm, (laughs) oh, yeah. And he kind of leans forward. Yeah. You know, it's a fun fact about the show, though. These funny answers, they called them zingers on the show. And all of Mm -hmm. the the celebrities gave zingers. Mm -hmm. Just no one quite like Paul Lynn did. 
they were all actually written for the show, and the actors were briefed beforehand with the one-liners. Like, they didn't know the actual answer. They were given answer. the one-liners? They were given one-liners by a, okay. um, a team of comedy writers before the show. Now, I'm going to guess Paul Lind came up with a lot of his for on sure. his own. Um, yeah, so... Um, I was going to tell you real quick, um, back to uh, Paul End, um, he was on for the entire run, but he actually left briefly in 1980, and then the ratings went down, naturally, right? So they asked him to come back, and he agreed, but only if he got equal billing with host Peter Marshall. Really? So for the handful of shows it's on, I think it's only on for one more season after mm-hmm. 1980, Paul, it's like The Hollywood Squares with Peter Marshall and Paul End. <laughs> Oh wow! And I'm assuming yeah. that came with more money because that would be yeah. Quite and an he ego was trip. he was just brilliant, right? So funny. Mm-hmm. I can remember this show. Just um, the reason that this show edged out my other ones just by a, mm-hmm. s- a smidgen for this um, episode is because I remember watching Hollywood Squares with my daddy, and I can remember us laughing together, especially at Paul End. And you guys, I even think I have a memory of my daddy doing a pretty good impression of him that would just make me laugh. Um, uh, so much because especially when I got Paul Lynn's jokes, I thought that was like, yeah. I was kind of in a, a special club. But, You're a big um, girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So my desert island pick, I'm stranded on the couch with strep throat and I'm going to choose the newlywed game. <laughs> I loved the newlywed game. I can game. like hear the, I can hear the On their little yeah. wheels, you know, yes, on their little sliding things. Sliding There's probably in, a yeah. guy behind him, like pushing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so high tech. Um, yeah. So the Newlywed Game was a game show that put newly married couples against each other. I can't even believe I have to say this. Doesn't everybody know? Yeah, in a we series know. of revealing questions to determine how well they either know or do not know each other. And it grew out of the smashing success of the Dating Game. It came out of the Dating Game, which was created by Chuck Barris. Do you guys remember the Gong Show? <laughs> yeah. Um, and we're not going to say anything at all about the Gong Show because that's a whole episode. Oh my god, the gosh. Gong Show is a whole. It's got to be. So they basically said to Chuck Barris, all right, the dating game, huge hit. What else have you got? And he thought, well, a natural progression from dating is marriage. So let's try this. Um, It was hosted by Bob Eubanks for most of its time on the air, which was a lot. There were many, many versions of the of the newlywed game in every decade from starting in 1966 all the way through 2013. There were so many iterations of the newlywed game. Um, but there were also a bunch of other people, including um, Sherry Shepard from The View. Uh, Carney Wilson hosted for a while, who is the daughter, of course, of Brian Wilson. And, of course, Wilson Phillips. Don't forget Wilson Phillips. Um, okay, but Bob Eubanks is definitely the best with his helmeted hair. Um, I would call Bob Eubanks unflappable. Totally. He was cool as a cucumber and he'd have kind of a small little chuckle when somebody said something cheeky because it was, of course, just like all of these very dependent on double entendres. The theme music to the game show, to the newlywed show, was performed by Trumpets Olay, which was a knockoff of Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. Tijuana Brass, Trumpets Olay. It's kind of the same. Then they added the first part of the wedding march, to fit the theme of the show a little bit better. Um, but the newlywed game is probably the most famous for the phrase, "Whoopie." I'm making whoopie. 
yeah. making whoopee, which was the euphemism they came up for 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 sexual intercourse right. or fornication. To avoid fornication, yes, fornication. You can't say fornicate. In 1966, you couldn't say sex. So they say, they're like, what are we going to say? Because it was really the first show where they sort of alluded to that. Um, but the show became so associated with making whoopee that they kept using it e- long after the censors allowed people to say sex on TV. They could have said making love. Or they could have said all of these other things that people said on other game shows. But they stuck with making whoopee, even into the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Okay, do you guys know what the prize was for winning the newlywed game in 1966? Mm. Was it like a refrigerator? I think it was one of my favorite. Was it a bedroom suit or a bedroom suite? I like a bedroom suit better. (laughs) Is that like jammies? Your bedroom (laughs) suit? A onesie? I never knew how to say it or whatever. But, you know, a lot of times it was a bedroom suit. Sweet. Whatever. Mm. (laughs) A year's supply of rice roni. The San Francisco treat. The San Francisco treat. Razzaroni beanie. Um, no, the <laughs> the prize for winning the newlywed game in 1966 was a toaster. That's it. Oh. <laughs> a toaster. Because they found when they gave them bigger prizes, people got violent. Because the stakes were so much higher. Remember how when, oh, it's always the wife getting mad at the husband. And mm-hmm. they would bash yeah, them over the head with their big with card. Yeah. yeah. The higher, the more valuable the prize was, the higher stakes were, the, and the angrier they got, and people would yeah. get violent. So they're like, ooh, no more refrigerators. See, Let's I think it's a great a idea. I think it's a great idea to keep having better prizes, because then if you're Chuck Barris, you think, oh, you know what? I'm now I'm going to start a game called, like, Divorce Court, or the Divorce <laughs> yes. Game, with all of these people, right? Yep. Do you guys want to know who the who the first um, gay couple was on the New Year's Oh, they're famous? 2010. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because mm. they were on a celebrity edition of the Newlywood Game. Yeah, no, I don't know. It was George Takai and his husband, oh. George Takai from Star Trek. Trek. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I used to call Star Trek. I love when him. He's I got a, a fantastic Instagram feed. Yes, he does. I love it. And he was playing against Peter Brady and his oh. wife Adrian Curry. Remember My Fair Brady? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Christopher mm-hmm. Knight, and uh, and I think George Takai won because he's clever. Yeah. I mean, he's super clever. Yeah, he's super funny. I think the most famous moment of the Newlywed game never actually made it on the air. Mm-hmm. You've all heard the story oh, about yeah. Bob Eubanks asking where it. is the most unusual place you've ever made Whoopi, and the contestant answers, dead being to butt, Bob. <laughs> dead being to butt, Bob. Dead being to butt, Bob. <laughs> that never actually made it to the air, but we all think that it did. Um, Wait, that's so not in an urban mind, legend <laughs> that really happened? Oh, God. Well, I yes, it did really happen, but not the way that we think okay. it is. So we all said, dead being to butt Bob. And mm-hmm. so I pictured a large, ignorant man in overalls saying, dead being to butt Bob. Um, you it's know, a woman, coming. I think, isn't it? It was a I woman. It was a woman. Yeah. yeah. It was a woman from, um, from Pennsylvania, actually. Um, and so what she said was, that would be in the ass, Bob. Is what she actually oh. said. And he quickly was like, no, 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 no. We mean location. And then she was very <laughs> embarrassed and she changed her answer. And that never actually came on the yeah. air. Yeah, um, so that. that line supposedly came out when Chuck Barris wrote a tell-all like quasi-autobiography um, called Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. And they tracked the woman down because he wanted to put that line in his book. And she was like, oh my God, please no. I am a grandmother now. I don't don't want that out in the world. And Chuck Barris said, here's $5,000. And she said, dead being to butt, Bob. Um, so the line is so legendary that Bob Eubanks even titled his own memoir, 
It's yeah. in the book, Bob. Uh, that would be in the book, Bob. Isn't that, that would be in the book. That would be it, in the book, Bob. Well, unfortunately, yeah. it's not. It seems like a miss. It's actually called It's in the Book, Bob. Oh. I don't know who did that. It should be that'd be in the book, Bob. Um, he actually wanted to make it. It's that would like put on the cover that'd be in the butt, Bob, and then cross right. out butt and put book, but the publishers wouldn't let him. So oh, that's, that's unfortunate. Okay, so this is very interesting. In 1979, Chuck Barris created a spinoff of the newlywed game, and it was called Three's a Crowd, and it was the same concept as the newlywed game, the same exact format, except the game included, I can't even believe this, a man, his wife, and his secretary. And the concept was to see who knew the man best. Oh, no. It didn't get very far. Because just the concept alone was so scandalous that a lot of networks refused to air it. Because, um, hey, let's normalize adultery. Yeah. <laughs> um, Man, I mean, it was horrible. About violence. Here, yeah. There could have been some real violence on that I one. mean, seriously, think about that. So here's, just from watching like five minutes of Three's a Crowd, here are the first three questions that they're asking of the men. Number Question number one. When it comes to sex with your secretary, are you holding yourself back or letting yourself go? That's Wait, the first question. What? I'm totally serious. I thought you meant like who knew him better, yeah. like what he likes to order for yeah. dinner right. or what his favorite, what, you know, happy hour cocktail is. I don't know how this made <gasps> it to the air. Here's, here's the next one. Your secretary is going to ask you in her sexiest voice for a $5 raise. What do you do? Do you say yes or no? Oh, that's a terrible, that's a gross show. I don't like it. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Okay, how about this? This is worse. We're going to give your wife your secretary's chest. (gasps) What else from your secretary would you like your (gasps) wife to have physically? One guy said her smile, and the judges wouldn't let him have it because it's not physical. (gasps) He had to say something physical. Ugh. Totally serious. So, obviously, this does not go over well. The network refuses to air it. It ruined Chuck Barris's reputation and led to the cancellation of every show that he had on, on TV, including oh, no. the newlywed game. Oh, the newlywed game, the dating game, and the gong show, and Three's a Crowd all get canceled because this show just tanks his reputation. Because he's completely. so gross. Because he's so gross. So that's my favorite. That was my newlywed game was my all-time favorite. But do you guys have any honorable mentions that you'd like to talk about in our next game show episode? Yes, I do. I had I was narrowed down to, to three and one of my other ones, Family Feud. I mean, uh, classic, for sure, right? right? We for have sure. to talk yes. about Family Feud. Mm-hmm. And the other one that nobody else will probably want to talk about, but this is something my husband and I bonded over early in our relationship. We are both nuts over the game show Card Sharks. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a grandma show. We love Card Sharks. <laughs> high or low or high. All you have to know is, you know, um, we surveyed 100 women again. and asked them, would you pose nude for $900,000? How many women said they, how many women said they would? And all you have to do is go, I don't know. 42. And if you're a contestant, you just have to go, nah, it's going to be lower than that. That's all you have to know. know. Oh, that was so boring. Oh, so fun. Oh, stop ridiculing my choices. (laughs) God damn it. Every episode. That was such a grandma response right there. The whole thing is just aligning perfectly for your grandma show. Um, I I really loved um, Tic Tac Doe with Wink Martindale, as I mentioned before. Love tic tac toe, and you know the reason Martin I love Dale. it. It might some of this has to do with timing. What time was it on? And was I home? 
It's just that I was watching it, and so then you get attached. Um, I loved the ten thousand dollar pyramid. Oh, I loved did too. it with I did Dick too. Clark. I loved, I loved it. it when Donny Osmond hosted it too. Oh, yeah, oh, I forgot about what that. iteration was that? Mm-hmm. It was fun because again, that was something where celebrities came on, and yeah, and that was really fun. I loved name that tune when Kathy oh, Lee Gifford too. was mm-hmm. the yes. person who would sing some of them. Um, yeah, I my record it. was one note. Oh, very good. I know. Wow, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Michelle, I, I'm sorry. Card Sharks is really, it is a good show. <laughs> we like it. We watched a whole episode last night. Just enough time to invite you to join us the next time we play Card Sharks. Bye-bye for now. Have a good day. Bye-bye. I think that's it for us today. Thank you all for listening. And in the words of our beloved daytime TV sick day dad, this is Bob Barker reminding you to help control the pet population. Have your pets spayed or neutered. Goodbye, everybody. Join us next week, you guys. We will be fresh from Palm Springs, dissecting the Barry Manilow concert. Cannot wait. Okay, and this is the part where you probably all turn me off, but don't, because here's the thing. If you enjoy this podcast and enjoy hearing us talk, and Lord knows our husbands are sick of it and so grateful (laughs) to all of you for stepping up, the only way we know we are getting heard is by the silly numbers. So the more people you share the PCPS with, the better. And in the same vein, the only way we know people like us, you like us, you you really, really like us, is by the reviews and the ratings on Apple Podcasts. So if you haven't followed or left a review yet, please, please do. It is what keeps us motivated and keeps us talking. And you guys asked for it, so we delivered. Check out our super fun PCPS merch, now available via our website at poppreservationists.com. We have so many fun designs, from our PCPS groovy flower logo, to Fisher Price Little People, to Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. In the meantime, let's raise our glasses for a toast, courtesy of the gang at Three's Company. Jack Tripper, Chrissy Snow, and Janet Wood, two good times. Two happy days. To Little House on the Prairie. Cheers. 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 Information, opinions, and comments expressed on the Pop Culture Preservation Society podcast belong solely to me, the Crushologist, and Carolyn and Hello Newman, and are in no way representative of our employers or affiliates. And though we truly believe we are always right, I guess there's always a first time. The PCPS is written, produced, and recorded at Modern Well, a woman-centered co-working space in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the fictional WJM Studios and our beloved Mary Richards. Nanu Nanu, keep on trucking, and may the force be with you. We get a happy feeling when we're singing a song